morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 128. And I am very pleased to have an old friend, Bob Hayes from Ponca High School in Ponca, Nebraska on the podcast this week. Uh, we're both kind of recovering from the end of the school year. I'm recovering from my, my daughter's high school graduation, my wife and I. Uh, just uh, You've been there, Bob. It, it's, a, it's a long two or three day stretch there when you're putting together grad party and graduation and doing all that fun stuff. And then you get to do it as an administrator as well. So do you feel my pain a little bit through the phone here tonight, Bob? Absolutely. I had three kids graduate, and um, the best part was when they, the, the party was over and, and everything was put away. So, yeah, yeah I, I can feel your pain a lot. Yeah, well, we can breathe easier now. It's all said and done. She had a great weekend. Uh, you know, my wife and I are really lucky. We're really blessed. Uh, we've got three. I'm a little biased, but we've got three terrific kids that we're really, really proud of, and it's our last high school graduation. So, uh, so we got through it here, but it's now time to get back to a pen and a napkin business here. Uh, but before we get going with Coach Hayes here, uh, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you ever want to see uh, or check out Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi's practice here, check out COSACchiro.com. That's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or to make an appointment, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, obviously, you're listening here. You're on iTunes, so download, rate, review. Give us five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum in the ratings, so that we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. And check out a penandanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. Hundreds, if not now thousands of pages of stuff that I've downloaded onto the website for coaches to take a look at. Along with, I'm going to get these pesky video links taken care of here. We've just been so busy with graduation and into the school year stuff that I haven't had a chance to get that fixed. But it will get fixed. I promise you folks it will get fixed. So... Enough about that stuff. Coach Hayes, how are you doing this fine evening, my friend? Well, it was a tough evening. My grandson played a doubleheader baseball and came out on the short end, but but he had a good night, so I, it was kind of a, a win-win, not a win-win situation, <laughs> but, you know, he, he played okay, so yeah. I, it wasn't terrible. Well, and, and the great thing about baseball is – you have a you have a tough day one day the next day the game can completely change around on you and exactly. you know and and it can go there you can have a great day one day and that ball looks like a watermelon and then the next day it looks like a pea so uh, uh you know go back bounce back uh, get after them again tomorrow that's the best thing about baseball so uh, you're you're absolutely right Marty all right so uh well coach I'm really happy to have you on here um you know I, I got a lot of great stuff to talk about uh, this evening. Uh, before we get into all of that, uh, kind of start out the way we normally do on the pod coaches is tell us a little bit about yourself, your basketball journey, uh, how you ended up in, in Ponca, Nebraska, and, and you're just, again, how you are now the girls basketball coach at, at Ponca High School. Well, we, we start, I started my career at Emerson Harvard High School in, in Emerson, Nebraska, um, graduated from Emerson and got recruited uh, to Briarcliff College in Sioux City, Iowa. Um, and got the, the, the Harvard of the Heartland, you mean? <laughs> 
There you go. Yeah, right. There you go. Yes. If it was a Harvard, I probably wouldn't have graduated. So, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it was that Briarcliff was really good to us. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to play for Ray Nackey and, and his assistant, Ron Schultz, and Ken Majors. And I learned a lot of basketball there. Um, and my uh, senior year got injured. Um, and I, Coach Nackey asked me to be a student assistant. And uh, what an education. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, from Coach Schultz and, and Coach Nackey and Coach Majors, I just I sat there and just, I was like a sponge. I was just observing everything and, and I'd go home and write things down that, that happened and, and things like that. Um, then, uh, graduated from Briar Cliff, uh, spent a year, um, working and then got the job here at Ponca as an assistant basketball coach, assistant football coach and head girls track coach and did that for 10 years. Uh, then, um, our head coach at the time, uh, moved to Laverne, Minnesota, and I got the head boys job. I gave up the football um, and gave up the football and ended up with the athletic director job um, and uh, then coached girls track till 2000. So I coached girls track for about 20 years um, and then uh, was the head boys coach for 22 years. Um, I'm still the athletic director. And then uh, in 2012, took a break from coaching uh uh we had a we had a good situation and and uh i didn't want to step out of the boys with an empty cupboard so um we uh let um uh one of my former players and assistants um take the job and he's done really well Mm -hmm. um and 16, 17, we couldn't find a girls coach, really looked hard. And, and, uh, I said, well, I said, I, I guess I could do it if you need me to. And our school board superintendent jumped on it and, and I've done the girls since then and just had a great run with the girls. Funny how they, they jump on that when, when, a when a pretty good person volunteers for it, they kind of <laughs> bend the rules a little bit for those types of situations. You know? Yeah. Well, it was, you know, you say that and I, I expected to be there you know, a year or two and, and then, you know, we'd have a teaching position open and, and somebody take the girl spot and it seemed like every time, uh, that situation arose, our volleyball coach resigned. So we had to have a volleyball coach and then we started softball. And so then we needed a softball coach. And mm-hmm. So, so I wasn't arguing too much cause I was having a lot of fun with the girls and, and, uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't, totally you know i wasn't stopping my feet mad and and uh, throwing a fit about it but um but it's just been i've just been real fortunate you know with both groups um i've had great athletes great assistant coaches and and uh, great players so well you said something about stomping your feet so let's let's just jump right in there and talk about <laughs> coach Naki a little bit uh did, first of all when you were a student assistant did coach Naki ever give you the Naki treatment on the sideline he gave he gives everybody the magic treatment. <laughs> there isn't anybody, ever, you know. You are not uh, your open game. And I, I, we were in, we were playing Loris in Dubuque, and Coach Majors didn't make the trip, so I got the envious job of writing because Coach, we didn't. You know, he he wanted every play that he talked about written down. Yes, and, yes, yes. And I did I mean, that as well. Recorded it. Yep. And <laughs> I was writing things down, and I I missed a play, and I asked Coach Schultz 
Yeah, I said, what did he say there? And and Coach Schultz just kind of shrugged his shoulders. And about that time, Coach Naki turned around and he had heard me say this, which <laughs> was like, this is not going to be good. And so after the game, as we got beat and I got I got ripped just like any player would get ripped. So that was just, and then, you know, it was, it was funny on the bus ride home. He, he said, Bob, I really apologize. He said, just, yeah, I go, no coach. I, I messed up. It was, yeah. And he said, well, usually I don't say much to the assistants. And I said, well, I messed up. I, I deserved it. So, I mean, but, and I had never heard him apologize to a player. So this was new, <laughs> new for me. So <laughs> I could, I could do one. I can do you one better than that. Uh, my first road trip, when uh, my, my first year there, I don't know if you remember, and I was one of Coach Naki's managers. And I was really excited. I get to go on a road trip. And Coach says, Marty, I need you to put in the roster in the book. So, okay. <laughs> well, at the last minute, he well he, he suited up like 16 or 17 guys that night. And... And so I didn't really know what I was doing, so I, I only put in as far as I could. And then and I'm thinking, okay, you know, he's just gonna play his top seven or eight guys. And the last couple of guys had played like in the J V game or something like that. Well, of course. <laughs> I think there were sixteen guys that he suited up. And the sixteenth guy, he decides to put him in, and it's a fairly close game. So the official scorekeeper goes, uh, you know, such a Pete Smith isn't in the book. I'm like, oh, and I can't tell you this, the, the amount of sweat that came out of that my body. And so I start writing it in really quick because I'm sitting on the bench and coach is like, no, he, he put it in there. I promise you, he put it in there. And the official scorekeeper's like, no, he didn't. And I, and I got up and I, I tell you, you, you've heard the expression, fake it till you make it. Oh, I faked it. I've got here it is here I put it it's right here it's on the bottom way down here and and Ray was like see I told you so I told you it was there you know and he didn't get teed up but oh I thought my life flashed in front of my eyes there so you know uh, well but, you know the the stomping um so rookie you know and and didn't pay a lot of attention when, um, cause I never sat that close down on the bench to coach when, when I was a player. Um, but so the first, it was like the first night at the auditorium and, you know, I plopped down right beside him, not paying attention that coach Schultz and coach majors always left the chair between coach Naki and themselves. And I didn't sure. pay attention. Okay. Well, I think coach Schultz decided, okay, rookie, this is my <laughs> Okay. And coach jumped up and did his famous stomp and stomped right on my foot. And I thought he broke my foot. <laughs> and I'm, I literally, my eyes are welling up because it hurts so bad. And they have to get the trainer over there. And, you know, and coach doesn't turn around to see if I'm, he's after a referee. And coach Majors and coach Schultz give me the look like, okay. That's yep. why we leave it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure follow, it out. follow us, so. young fella. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, hey, in, in all seriousness, uh, you know, Coach Naki, legendary coach, especially in the Midwest and and in in the Siouxland area, uh, Panama Pipeline, five hundred wins, all of those things. Uh, you know, uh, him and Coach Schultz, you know, kind of perfect for one another because Coach Schultz is so low key, and and Coach Naki, you know, gets you know he 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 got a little worked up in case folks you haven't picked up on that. Uh, but, uh, you know, what, what about, what were 
two or three things that you took from Ray uh, that really uh, helped you develop as a coach as, as you stepped out professionally? You know, the, the one thing that that coach never came in um, to a season without studying his players, and he really knew his players and you know their strength, their weaknesses, and he ran his offenses. A lot of people say, "Well, he ran the same offense every year." Well, he it was, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really designed it to like like an there was a, we had a player named Eddie Warren who was just excellent at coming off a screen and curling or, or, uh, fading or whatever he was, Eddie was a master at it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so coach designed it. So Eddie could get, you know, to the weak side, we'd swing the ball around and, and Eddie come off that, that weak side pick from, you know, one of our post players and he'd curl it and, and he was just, and then the next year we, lo- we lose Eddie and, but you know, we came a guy named Rolando Frazier. He turned out um, all right. Yeah. He, yeah, he was okay. Yeah. And, uh, but Rolando wasn't as good as c- at coming off screens. Well, I mean, we worked on it all the time, but he just was more of a, you know, give it to me and clear out guy. And so coach, you know, moved a little bit of the offense to, to, you know, take care of Rolando's strength. And mm-hmm. he just, I mean, and I, I always, you know, have done that or I really think about, okay, what are these players strengths? What are we going to be good at? And coach was very good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing I got from coach is he always wanted to push the ball yeah. and you know, that's inbreded in me. I mean, we're going to push the ball. I've used different secondary break primary and secondary breaks um, just because, you know, I, I, you know, we did it all the time at Briarcliff. I did a, l- a lot in high school and then a lot at Briarcliff where we were going to push the ball down and see if we could get something, you know, easy and quick. Mm-hmm. And then we worried about running an offense. And, um, so that was another thing that I picked up from coach that, um, you know, and then the other thing that, that the last thing I, was, you know, matchups. He was, he always studied the other team. And he, he was really good at – he and Coach Schultz both were very good at studying the other team and coming up with matchups. And sometimes our players would be like, Coach, I'd be better off guarding him. But he always had good reasons why he wanted this player to guard this certain player from the other team. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'd look at those matchups and go, um, are you sure about this coach? Of course you never asked, but mm-hmm. you were just kind of in your head thinking, why, I don't understand this. But as the game went on, you're like, Oh, okay. There, you know, sometimes you'd look at, uh, we had a guy named Tito Malcolm was a great defender. And sometimes you didn't put him on their best player. And you're like, Coach Tito could probably stop him, mm-hmm. but you know Tito was a great at, at help side defense uh-huh. and and things like that. So you know those are the three things I think I picked up from coach that have benefited me the most through the years. Yeah. Um, so and then of course everybody learned how to work a referee. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what, one of the things uh, one of the things I remember from coach was uh, his you know kind of what you were saying. Uh, the the attention to detail, and uh-huh. you, know, you you referenced it, and and you know after the the Grandview scorekeeper, uh, you know scare of my life. Uh, as the season <laughs> went on, um, every once in a while he would have me sit up by Coach Schultz, and Alex Murphy was the other coach at the time, and and I would be the note taker guy, 
And, and so I'd be writing away with these notes and I, and I got, you know, one of the great things for me was I got to hear coach Naki talking with, with Murph and with, with coach Schultz, uh, you know, just strategy and what was he thinking and this and that and the other thing. Um, but the, this is, you know, pre, uh, huddle and every game even being videotaped, uh, and all this other stuff. And the next day, you know, after the game, you'd give coach the the two or three pages of notes that you'd be taking, and he would be able to go through. And the next day, he would, you know, have. Now you would never do this anymore, but he'd have these forty five minute meetings, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, Bob. Where, you yeah. know, you know, Tito, you, you, I remember on this curl, you had him on your hip, and you've got to, you when you've got him on your hip, you've got to curl that tighter. Are you faded off of that? And you should, and he, and he would remember this just based on what was written on the piece of paper. And and that that uh, detail that memory was just unbelievable to me. I was watching this play out, and it's like, okay, this is how you win five hundred games is by doing stuff like this. And and I kind of do that, but I'm I'm watching the game after the game, and I'm writing down all these notes. But this this was happening in real time, and he was able to remember all of those tiny de- little details, and that was amazing to me. Yes. I, I, yeah. Yeah. He would, he, he would remember things off that, just a little phrase you wrote down and he, and he wouldn't go, Oh yeah, yeah. He just, he would read that phrase and he would, like you just said, Marty, and away he would go. And I would be sitting there with my jaw on the floor going, I can't believe he can remember this stuff Mm because I'm writing it down, not remembering, you know, so, (laughs) um, but I tell you what, if, you know, if, if, I, I, Coach Schultz and I joked one time we were going to give. We were like, wouldn't it be fun to give Coach Naki a test um, of okay, we're going to read the phrase and you have to write down what what happened and then have the video there to. And I said he he'd get a hundred. So oh yeah, it's not even not even worth Absolutely. going through. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, another guy, and, and we've, we've both referenced him, and, uh, you know, I, I owe a lot to Ron. Um, you know, uh, like like I referenced earlier, him and Coach Naki were kind of perfect for each other. They were definitely the yin and the yang. Uh, what's one or two things that you've taken from, from Ron Schultz? You know, I, I think his patience, I think, yep. was something yep. that, that uh, you know is is something that you know i i don't fly off the handle a lot i'm, I'm usually pretty patient with situations although a little coach Naki comes out of me now and then um but uh um but i think that and you know i think ron's vision of a game and how this is going to play out and i ron you know uh, i'm coach was Coach Mackey was really good in game, but Ron would think beyond, um, and this sounds like crazy, but he would start thinking about how we're going to finish this game and what we need to do. Um, and I don't know if when you were sitting there, Mario, but Ron would start giving, as we get to that two-minute mark in the game, he would start giving suggestions. And, I mean, they were spot on things that needed to get done, mm-hmm. but that he was thinking about, way ahead of the time and hey we need to sub offense for defense here coach and and things like that so those are the things that you know and i really you know you you mentioned uh, uh on uh on your write-up about assistance and i really preached my assistants hey we get down to the tight spots you need to don't be afraid to tell me yeah. we need to do this and we need to do that and i picked that up from ron uh-huh. um and and i really preach that to my assistants and and you know they uh, the two guys i have ryan olander and jerry curry are just they they're they really fit 
with me really well. Um, and, uh, you know, they sometimes don't say a lot in game, you know, the third quarter, not a lot, you know, now and then, but when we get to that fourth quarter and it's tight, you know, they've got great suggestions and, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate them. You know, speaking of being an assistant, you know, you were assistant for, for about 10 years before you, you took a head job, uh, or, or became the head coach, you know, how, how did that help prepare you for that little, that massive yet little 18 inch slide over, uh, one way or the other? Um, you know, what did that, you know, how did you prepare yourself for what you wanted to become at that point? You know, I think the the biggest thing about being the assistant um, was preparing to deal with parents. And, you know, I, I, you know, that didn't happen in college and, you know, not so much, I didn't see that part of it in high school too much. So, you know, this was a big adjustment to me that, you know, parents were going to be upset that their son or daughter, they um, weren't, weren't we didn't see it the way they saw it Mm -hmm. and so that was one thing that i got to really kind of i I hate to say sit back but i i did to a point i mean i i sat in on some parent meetings that were ugly and things like that but but i think that was one thing that really helped me um was that time of you know dealing with parents and then the second thing that it was you know i got to be a little bit of coach schultz and i was so i was you know i mean coach mackie was always the bad cop and coach schultz was a good cop and mm-hmm. you know and i could go talk to play hey coach you know we need you to do this last night or this is what he wanted you to do and things like that and i got to be uh, you know kind of emulate coach schultz that way and so those are the things that that really, you know, and I've really tried to instill that in my coaches' assistants that, you know, it, these are things I'm going to get after them. And, you know, it is what it is, but we also need to build them back up. And that's kind of your job. And you get to be the good guys here. And um, so it's, it's worked for us. Mm-hmm. So, so those are the things I think I got from Coach Schultz that, you know, that, that I really, you know, took from Coach Schultz, and and he's a dear friend. I just got to see him last week. Um, we got to sit down for a little while and and have a visit. A former referee in the area. I don't know if you remember Von Horn. Oh yeah, Von. I saw that he passed away. Yeah, he that's did, that's a yeah. yeah, that's a it, tough deal. It was. I tell you what, it was awesome. All the officials in Sioux City um, were there, wore the referee um, jerseys, and uh, very very nice ceremony. But I got to sit down with Coach Schultz for a while afterward and uh, had a good visit so mm-hmm. yeah so we usually get together two or three times a year and just have lunch together and and talk basketball and things like that so yep. yeah a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at apenandanapkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, apenandanapkin.com. Be sure to check out the Apenandanapkin video library. You've uh, moved on here... uh, 
start obviously just like any of us in education you started out as a as a classroom teacher but now you're and and obviously you're at a a a pretty small school bob uh, a c2 school you have probably 35 40 kids ish a class at ponca yep. mm-hmm. right yep. around there so yep. all of your faculty members have to wear multiple hats and you're in a situation where you're you're a principal you're an ad and you are uh obviously the girls basketball coach what has your experience and and your growth professionally in in the building as a like i said as a principal as an athletic director how has that helped shape your philosophy as as a head coach uh you know i think that the biggest thing marty is developing leadership and and you know um for the for the principal part of it is you know you're going to make some decisions that aren't going to be popular and that happens as a basketball coach you're going to make some decisions and right or wrong you're you got to live with them and um you know you you make some decisions as a principal um that sometimes maybe aren't popular but you know you're hoping it's it's the right decision and i think handling students now granted some my students only come up to maybe my knees but um (laughs) but uh you know but handling them um and you know i I think that's helped me to handle players and realize that they have feelings and and you know that they're they're going to make mistakes and you know kids in school make mistakes and you know I, i guess it's the old you know once bitten, twice shy. You know, we'll we'll, we'll understand it the first time. Let's mm-hmm. not make sure that you, we don't make the same mistake twice. And you know, and um, so I, th- I think managing that staff. So you're managing, you know, some some assistant coaches and things like that. But you're managing players as well. And then you know, the dis- discipline side of it. You know, and to follow through. If you if you say, okay, we're going to do this, it doesn't get done sometimes it's it's tough but you got to follow through and you follow through you know the kids i mean the kids at school they know hey mr hayes says you know we can't do this um and you know there's no no cell phones during classes um and if you do you you give your cell phone to the the, uh, teacher and it ends up in Mr. Hayes's office. (laughs) And, you know, um, and we talk about the first time, second time we call your parents and, and, you know, things like that. But following through with, I think has really helped me as a coach that really realize you, if you draw the line in the sand, you got to follow through. Mm -hmm. As you observe and evaluate your other coaches, whether they're head coaches or assistant coaches, in your role, in your hat as activities and athletic director, does that shape how you coach your own team as well? And and do you feel a little bit more of a responsibility to do things a certain way? Because, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna talk the talk, I kinda gotta walk the walk as well. And so if I'm gonna tell the football coach that this is the type of cult and I'm just I don't you know, I'm just using that as an example, you know, the, the football coach here or the softball coach or the, the checkers coach or whatever it may be, you know, I've got to, I've got to comport myself or do things in a certain way because, you know, I have to be consistent with what I'm preaching as well. 
Yeah, oh, totally. Yes. I, you know, I, I feel all the time, like when I'm coaching the girls that I'm, I'm kind of setting the example, um, as the athletic director, part of me, um, you know, I, I, I'm telling the, the coaches, Hey, um, we have a standard rules that, you know, when we're coaching, we don't wear blue jeans. We, you know, we, we wear khakis or or whatever dress pants or whatever and there i mean we look professional and we're you know a pocket coach should, and so you know when when i when i'm coaching it, it could be a saturday morning sometimes you know we need we'll have multiple junior high games going on on a saturday morning and and we've had a couple times where one of the uh, junior high coaches was ill and i had to step in well i didn't show up in blue jeans and a polo i showed up with khakis on and and i think you know i mean that's an example of you know this is how i believe and this is how we're going to do this and um, there's just multiple times where, you know, we've had situations where the other coaches I know are looking over my shoulder going, so how's he going to handle this one? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I always think, okay, you, I drew the line in the sand. This is, and I follow through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, set a good example for, I, I always try to set a good example for the other coaches because I know that, you know, I'm, I'm the old guy here and, uh, you know, but I'm also the athletic director and, Mm-hmm. And if I if if I'm uh, have a conduct rule, then I'm the first one that's got to follow it. Yeah. How important is that consistency up and down your program, and and establishing that consistency to to you know with the with the with the things that some people will say, well, that's not that important. But you know, and again, it's kind of a coach and hacky thing. It it yeah, is it really that important? No, but it's really, really important if you really think about it and being consistent with all the things that you do. Well, I, I tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. So, um, on our 2006 uh, boys team, I, I had a rule with the boys. Hair was cut up over their ears and and couldn't go over the collar in the back, and and didn't matter. They had to be clean shaved and and blah blah blah. Um, and we did that well. One of my best players and our senior came in to practice first day, and he has a ponytail. And um, it's not real long, but it's a ponytail. And I knew every kid in that gym, every coach in that. I mean, I had some of the coaches peeking in the the other coaches peeking in the gym to see what I was going to do. So we start practice, and we stretch, and we do our pregame stuff, and I huddle up, and and I said, uh Joey, we really appreciate you're here. We really appreciate you as part of the team. But until you get your hair cut, you're not going to be able to practice. And his eyes, I think, but the other kids were like, oh, my God, if he's going to kick out our best player out of practice – he's going to kick me out of practice. And we, I just stood there and said, You're, you need to leave. And, you know, and he went off. Next day, I got to school at 730. He was waiting for me at the door with a nice haircut and said, Coach, can I come to practice? I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And away we went. So, um, you know, it was, I tell you what, I came home to my wife, Christy, and, and told her what had happened. And, and, uh, I, I mean, coaches' wives are saints. They just, that's, there's no, there's no doubt about it. They go straight to heaven. And, uh, she said, well, you, you know, you did what you had to do. 
Uh-huh. And I said, I said, well, I don't know how the community is going to handle this very well, you know, when you throw off one of your best players. And, you know, he comes in. There were, I got more emails and notes that, way to go, coach. That's what needed to happen, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I didn't have much trouble, um, you know, for a long well, I still don't have a lot of trouble. The girls kind of, that story has gone on <laughs> and on. And, I mean, the girls, I've, uh, some of them, I haven't heard it, but this, my assistants will say, hey, they, they've heard about the, the 2006 haircut story. And I, I just kind of laugh about it. And they go, no, they, they said they were talking dead serious that, you know, he will throw you out of practice. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, it was one little thing like that, that, um, you know, that you just kind of, you just did. And as far as the haircut thing, it really wasn't, I just wanted to find out, you know, Hey, if they really want to play, they'll do this. Mm-hmm. And, they always did. And it, it became a tradition. And, um, you know, it was just part of the culture. And the kids would walk in. They, they might have their hair down clear over their ears, you know, on November 14th, 15th <laughs> practice started. And it was the, the gals downtown that did the haircuts just loved me. So I, I didn't see any commission coming. But, but, uh, but yeah. But it wasn't a thing that I really, you know, it was, hey, the hair thing didn't bother me that much it was just a, more of a okay if you really want to play and you want to be part of this then how much will you sacrifice and and they did yeah. so yeah yeah um you know you you referenced that you you were a head boys coach for about 22 years and then you took a break and and then with circumstances you stepped into the girls role and, and it's been a really good run the last six or seven years uh for your for your program what uh what what's been kind of the the differences and and no matter what we say there are differences between coaching uh men and 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 women or guys or boys and girls uh but what are some of the things that you have have noticed or or maybe even really enjoyed about the gender switch from coaching boys to coaching girls or or whatever whatever your perspective may be well um the the first one that that uh, I had to get used to is um, so I coached the boys for 22 years after game, you know, game over. I'd walk in the locker room and my assistants got really good at grabbing me and say, you got to knock. And I, I, now I remember to knock at the door, but early on, I, I, and they go, Whoa, coach, you got to knock. They might not have, I'm going good point. Mm-hmm. So, so that was, uh, you know, one big difference, but, but in, in being different, you know, one thing I, I, I've noticed with girls is they execute a play better than boys. I mean, you, if you draw it up, they, uh, to me, um, and, and I, I've had both sides of it. They, they don't, you know, deviate from, if you run a set, they don't deviate from it. And my, and I learned, I think it was my second year we ran a flex cut and you know the girls coming off the flex. Well, she's usually open in practice, so mm-hmm. we swing the ball around, and and my gal enters it and hit the defender in a game right in the back of the head with the ball. And I'm looking at it like you know, kind of like why'd we throw that pass? And fortunately, the ball goes out of bounds, and the, the other coach calls timeout by luck. And oh, they come, and I said, what, where, were, "Where were you throwing that?" And she said. That's where it's supposed to go. I said, she wasn't open. She said, she's always open. I go, uh, no, not always. <laughs> so, 
but it was it was execution. I mean, they yeah. we went through it. Other than we missed the we missed the back pick, but mm-hmm. other than that, it you know. So one thing, um, you know, they're more to me. They're more detailed, um, and they're they're like, okay, we're running this and and uh, this set, and um, you know, they're just more detailed about that. Um, the, the biggest change that I had when I took over the girls was. Um, playing hot, a bit pressure man-to-man defense they they weren't used to doing that and they didn't like getting out and uh, trusting their teammates that they weren't going to get backdoored all the time mm-hmm. and it's it that took a little little time for me to adjust a little bit and for them to adjust um but i tell you the first the first meeting i had with the, my first girls team and they were an experienced group um and uh, we ended up the state that year but uh I walked into the meeting and, you know, I said, okay, girls, unfortunately for you guys, you're looking at your new head coach and, and there, of course, eyes are about popping out of their head and, and things like this are like, oh my God, because they had heard all these horror stories, I think. <laughs> but anyhow, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to make more adjustment adjustments than I am because I've, I've coached girls in track and softball. I've never coached girls in basketball, so we're going to have to figure this out. And but I said I'm an old dog, and you know, learning a lot of new tricks isn't going to work well. And I said I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not big on drama. Your teammates, this is a team. When you walk in here, you're a team. And I said if you don't like each other when you walk out the door. That's that's up to you guys. But it's always better if you do like each other when you walk out the door. And that culture has been established. Mm-hmm. And our girls, for the most part, get along pretty darn well. And, um, you know, they're usually pretty close-knit. They do a lot of things together um, outside of what we do in basketball. So it's it just kind of develops as a culture. But mm-hmm. so that that's kind of the things. But they do things, you know, where the boys might go um, – together and go watch you know another game the girls will get together and go down to buffalo wild wings or something you know i'm gonna go hey you know harding cedar catholic is is playing laurel tonight oh really (laughs) i'm going yeah and then i hear they went to buffalo wild wings and i went to the game so yeah yeah. yep so that's 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 that's, uh that's that's not uncommon (laughs) for down here either so it's it's okay it's okay yeah Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. All right. Coaches, I love doing a pen and a napkin. It is something that was intended to become a hobby, but it has become a passion and a blessing in my life. I love helping coaches, and I hope that I've been able to help you in some way, shape, or form. I want to do more, but I need your help to do that. I've recently opened up a Patreon page to help a pen and a napkin grow even further, and I'd appreciate any help that you would be willing to give to a pen and a napkin. From the layup tier, and for as little as $3 a month, to the three-point tier, your generosity will enable a pen and a napkin to grow and develop even greater projects than we've already done. For more information, go to apenandanapkin.com and go to the Patreon link, or go to patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. We're gonna we're gonna change gears here, Coach. Uh, we're gonna go to our John Wooden quote of the day. Um, our wooden quote of the day. We always put out a, a quote from from Coach Wooden. Our our first one hundred episodes 
it was the Don Meyer quote of the day, and now we've transitioned to the John Wooden quote of the day. And this is, you know, I, I loyal listeners, you, you've you've heard this, so so bear with me for the next ten or fifteen seconds. It's it's so weird how there's times where uh, I pick out this quote before the episode even starts or whatever. I type it all out. And and then it fits into perfectly something that we've talked about in the first part of the, the podcast. And and so this is another one that's kind of fallen into there. So you ready? Are you ready, Coach Hayes, for the John Wooden quote of the day? Absolutely. All right. From Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, uh, page 128, the John Wooden quote of the day. This one's a little bit longer. So uh, the greatest ally, you have to get things working well and players performing as a team is the bench. Don't be afraid to use it, whether for a star player or anyone else. In fact, the overall effect can be better when you bench a star. The other players see it and play harder because of it. I guess you and Coach Wooden are kind of on the same wavelength, you know? <laughs> but uh, no, that's, that's so... And, and that's something that, again, that's another... Uh, Coach Nacky thing that he would have, you know, he would, when I was working with Mike Power, I remember, you know, Mike, the greatest motivator in the world is that thing right there. And he would point at the bench, you know, and, yeah. uh, but yeah. I, I think you have to, you, you don't go hunting for reasons to discipline kids, uh, but you have to be prepared to discipline kids. And, and I think part of that is, uh, with that quote is, knowing what you're going to do or how you're going to handle a discipline situation even before it happens is is part of that to me, Bob. I don't know what you think. What, what do you think of that? Yes. No, I agree with you completely, Marty. You, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you, 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 you pull a player, they're just struggling, and you, you pull them and you, you put in a, a player off the bench, and if you luck out and that player coming in gives you some great minutes, that player sitting goes, oh, they can play without me. And um, and it really keeps – to me, that always keeps their head on. It doesn't get, let their head swell. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of keeps them like, okay, if need be, they can play without me. And I think that's – you know, something that um, I've always kept in the back of my mind is if we need to, we'll, we'll find a way and we'll, we'll play without you. Mm-hmm. So you can either conform to what we're doing or you can come over here and sit down. And that's yeah. your choice. So, and, and it doesn't need to be a, a big thing. It doesn't need to be this this big eruption and sit down and do that. You know, every once in a while, it, it, you have to do that, you know, whether yep. because, you know, for whatever situation. But I know. Uh, there was a situation my first year at my new job. We were playing a team, and and I had a young lady, and and she's terrific kid, terrific kid. Uh, but there were some times where she was not uh, as disciplined as she should be with at, at the time. She wasn't as disciplined as she should have been within the team concept with things, and she missed a box out because she was trying to leak out, and she was not playing well in this game. Uh, before this, and this was a high minutes player for us, and it was about halfway through the second quarter, and it was about the the second or third time, and it's okay, and and I didn't say anything. I just subbed her out, and I just kind of looked at her as she sat down, and we made eye contact, and I didn't say anything. I just kind of gave her this nod, and she put her head down, and she sat there, and she said, and the last four minutes of the the half, we went on about an eight to two run. 
take the lead going into halftime. And I didn't say anything to her at halftime. I didn't say anything to her in front of the team. Um, we went back out. We we warmed up before the second half, and we're coming in for you know the the little huddle that you have to start the second half. And I looked at her, and seriously, Bob, all I said was, "Are we straight now?" And <laughs> yeah. and she said, "Yes, coach." And she went and had like. 16 17 points in the second half we ended up winning and and sometimes that's all you need to do you you don't and i think sometimes people see discipline as this this big blown out this overdrawn thing this you know however you want to describe it but sometimes the more subtle and the more simple the more effective it is yeah i agree completely marty you know that um, you know you do not have to make it a big scene and um what you described you know i i done from time to time too and and uh it's it's much if you don't embarrass them it's it's much more effective and to me and i just think that you know now and then like like you know john wooden coach Naki, you know to, to put a player in and give them some minutes and let somebody sit there a little bit helps the team mm-hmm. it helps everybody mm-hmm. and um so yeah i i had my for a second first year um had a gal that she could shoot the three and um she, she wasn't a very good defender or anything like that but she could shoot the three and so we i we need we actually needed some outside shooting because the other team went to his own um but the gal i took out that you know was not just took her out put this gal in she hits three threes in her own i'm like uh-oh i, I somehow <laughs> i know by the end of the game i'm gonna need her back in the game and but the gal i took out her mouth is i mean wide open like oh no i just lost my spot and i was like oh boy this is gonna be tricky but it it, it turned out fine um and you know we got her back in and, and everything turned out fine and and uh, and the, the, fortunately, the girl that I put in and hit the threes um, handled everything really well. She was a great, great girl and great teammate, and um, you know, and everything went fine. But mm-hmm. like you said, you know, it was a point, and I just lucked out, and the girl that went in got us in the lead. So, yep. um, you know, so sometimes you just gotta get lucky. Yep. Well, let's let's talk about taking as much luck out of it as we can here. Let's get down to some of the the nuts and bolts of what you like to do, Bob. Uh, let, let's let's start with your man to man defensive principles and what you like to teach, how you like to teach it. Maybe uh, discuss some drill work that uh, you uh, do to to implement your your defensive philosophy. Uh, at this point. Uh, I just kind of sit back and, and listen, and I'm probably writing some things down. If I have a question, I'll try to, to, to jump it in there without interrupting you too badly here. Uh, but just just tell us about your defensive philosophy and how you build it up, and and what you do, and why do you why you do what you do. Well, we we um, when I first started, we we played man to man, and and but we gave up a lot of points, things like that. So I. Um, obviously went to some clinics and really, um, you know, I, at first I looked at like what Duke was doing and, and obviously you can do that, but, um, I went to some clinics, listened to some high school coaches talk more about, um, man to man defense, um, really got some good, good, uh, material and, and kind of changed our philosophy a little bit of what we were going to do. Um, and we, we start off 
if the ball's in the middle of the floor, um, we'll start off. Uh, uh, we'll do this in practice um, two to three two to three times every week, and we just simply deny the wing, and we'll put you know uh, an offense and a defense on each wing, and you know they have so many seconds, and as the season goes on, the time goes up, but we we make it competitive, and and they have to deny for so many seconds, and. Um, if they get backdoored, the other wing should have been there. And obviously it's a lose situation for the defense because a lot of times they're not going to get there because they're out defending, Mm -hmm. but we make it really hard. And then we graduate to it and we'll, we'll play um, some three on three on three. Well, actually it's same drill. We just put in a person at the block and whichever side the ball goes to, the the person at the block goes to the opposite block and mm-hmm. now the offense drives um or they they the defense gets trusting that you know there's not going to be a back door there because they've got help but now the offense when they do get it they're driving it and now we're working on rotation um so th- that's the first pressure that we do all the time. Are you on on that drive? Are you, are you a a baseline? You're pushing baseline. Are you pushing middle? Are you playing it straight up gap there? We take away the middle all the time. We, 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 the the girls or boys that play for me will tell you the first thing you learn from coach Hayes is no middle. And um, it's, it's a big, big feather. We, we keep track if, if uh, an athlete, takes away the middle in a defensive drill we'll take away sprints at the end of the in a, at the end of the practice that's that's how big it is you know and, and we've literally and i know coaches are going to go what but we've literally got done with practice without doing any sprints and um just said okay we everybody did their job you're done and so we do we'll do that a lot but no middle so the second part We'll tell the the offense, or we'll tell the defense. Okay, you got to give them a step on the wing. We'll throw it to them, and then the, the offense is trying to drive middle, and the defense is trying to take it away. Now, same drill, three the three on three, and the person goes away from the block. And what you, what happens is the offense will start to. Um, spin you know they'll they'll try drive middle can't get there they'll cross over they'll spin back and then we got a defender there and again we got rotation and then then you got to defend to close out because they're going to skip it um so we do a lot of that um all the time and then obviously we do the shell um and you know the, the biggest thing in the shell is don't give up middle and we work on that continuously um oh, that's the biggest theme in practice is no middle and we just um try our hardest not to give up the middle and then you work on uh things like a dribble handoff we switch all dribble handoffs um and you know i know some people are like you can't do that we do um but we really work on on the switch of filling that gap behind the behind the uh, handoff and you know that's really important to us that we fill that gap we really work on rotation um uh, almost 90 percent of the drills we do um we're working on rotation so that the the uh backside people know how they're going to rotate and then we we'll put them in situations um like we'll do shell and we'll have uh, uh 
two people, um, offensive people, they're standing off the court on the baseline. And as we do the shell drill, if the ball's on, say, the left-hand side of the floor, then the person on the right side block steps in. They don't have it. Nobody's assigned to defend them. So now you're playing four on five. Mm-hmm. And somebody's got to rotate to take care of that block person. And um, it gets really competitive because if you get scored on three times and there's consequences and um, and they'll go for like five or six possessions mm-hmm. and then, you know, you, you got to win. Otherwise you stay. And um, it gets competitive that way. But we try to make everything defensively we do competitive. Um, the other thing that we do, we we full front anything below the free throw line at, in the block area. We we full front everything, and we work continuously on covering up. Um, and we're not afraid that you know our our with the girls especially. A lot of times the the person driving maybe a five six five eight wing. Um, sometimes we'll run on somebody a little taller, but our our. Uh, we call them blocker. Um, our blocker steps off to, and kind of traps that short corner area, and we don't give up a shot there. And then we rotate, and you know, we 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 just tell the the defender coming over to rotate to the to the other post that to that that side's post player, um, just get in front of them, mm-hmm. and you know, and we just rotate and cover up, um, and it it. It works for us. the The biggest problem we're having, because girls are getting better at it, is they drive that baseline and skip to the opposite corner. And we're we're going to look at. I'm going to. I should say we, because our assistant, my assistants will help me. Um, and we got to look at how we're going to. We we need to cover that better because we got burned on that a few times this year. So we've got to. You know, we've got to cover that up better. So that's something we got to work on. What was the uh, impetus for? The no middle, and I'm a no middle person as well. We we emphasize uh, no middle. We call we call the middle Manhattan uh, because uh-huh. it's the most valuable piece of real estate. Uh, but what I have, I'm curious. I have my reasons for being a no middle uh, coach. What's your reasoning, Bob? We we looked at it. Um, I I uh, and I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name at Sioux Falls, Washington. Went to a clinic in Sioux Falls, and he spoke, and he he talked about this. And I picked this up from him. Um, you have so many more options when they when you give up the middle. There's so many more options than when you give up the baseline. On the baseline, uh, so to speak, they're you know they're going to skip to the corner to the opposite wing, and um, or they're going to try to dump to that post. If they drive middle, um, they, they, you've still got the two, same two skips, but his philosophy was it, it's harder to close out there because you can't, you can't close out as quickly because um, in the baseline, the, the, the out-of-bounds line helps you. And um, so his philosophy, and I, and I picked it up, but I liked it, was you've got more options um, if you can, if you give up the middle, the offense has more options, what they're going to do. And plus you're, if, if you happen to have, uh, a, some kind of two post offense, one of your posts, probably, even though you're telling them don't lift, they lift and it, they get an easy dump. So we, you know, we just, it's easy, it's easier for us to rotate 
um, by not giving up the middle. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we teach. Now, do we, do we practice if we do give up middle? Sure. But we really work hard not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that for me, and it, it's kind of essentially what you were saying, just the percentage of the floor that you can use along the baseline is much more difficult compared to when they get to that middle area. Now they can use 100% of the floor, whereas you you go baseline and that percentage is cut down drastically. Like you said, it's either the post player right in front of you or that hammer pass over to the opposite corner. And if they're going to turn and hit that diagonal out of there, consistently well we're probably going to lose anyway because that player or two is probably better than anybody we have as it is and if they can consistently make that play we're probably in trouble anyway and so that's part of our thinking as well is we just we just see as just a a, it's it's just playing the percentages of how much of the floor that you can use not only for yourself but more importantly to set up other people and to get them open and easier looks that they're used to seeing that that's part of our philosophy as well yeah, I I agree. You know, the other thing that uh, the, the, the gosh, I feel bad. I can't think of his name, but um, he, uh, the guy at Washington said, um, which really, which really made me bite into it was, you know, you don't always have the quickest players on the floor, but if if you take away the middle, if if you make them go baseline and have to skip in that your players don't have to be as quick. He said, if you have gr- quicker players, you're even better off, but like you just said, you don't have to cover as much floor. And so for a slower team, it, it can be effective. And I, and, you know, we've had both, we've had a couple teams that um, were, had some good quickness and then we've had some slower teams. Um, we haven't changed our philosophy, but we, we can cover better, obviously with the quicker team, but um, the slower teams still do a pretty decent job of, of covering up. Mm-hmm. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to apennantanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our Apennantanapkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every Apennantanapkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of Apennantanapkin. Apennantanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach so yeah what's uh what do you what do you do for uh your transition offense game what do you do to build that up to to get your players to be aggressive in the full court uh to get out and you know basketball comes down to it it's it's a game of easy baskets and and usually the team that can get the most easy baskets is going to win the game and i know that's a real astute observation by yours truly but there's also a lot of truth to that and if you can get out in transition and run and get a few easy layups that that relieves the pressure to your half court offense so much so what do you uh coach Hayes what do you guys do to to really push the ball in transition so quick quick you you were saying that and and uh my junior year at Briarcliff, Coach Naki's talking to us before um, we're going to go play Northwestern, and you know about Briarcliff Northwestern. Oh, yeah. Um, big game, and, and Coach Nack says, fellas, the team that makes the most baskets is going to win. <laughs> and we all looked at each other, like, and, and Coach Schultz is standing behind him with a smile on his face shaking his head yes and we all go we all shook our head yes and you know he was right 
But yeah, so one drill we do daily is a conditioning drill. It's it's old school. Um, is we run five man weave uh, down the floor and we time it. Um, and so we will put uh, like um, now I'm trying to think what we do put on there. We'll put uh, a minute on the clock and. So for the girls, um, they have to make, uh, like depending on your skill level, but, um, for uh, late in the season, we'll make 13 or 14 layups. Um, you know, a turnover, um, doesn't count. Uh, obviously, uh, or if they come down and they, there's only four in the line, that doesn't count. And my assistants are, they, you know, I'm on the girls. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, so we're going fast and my assistants are counting the mistakes and things like that. And, um, it is amazing, uh, to us. I mean, it's a great conditioner because we only go one way. They, they're all lined up. We put cones on the spot. So they have to run back to the cones and they, obviously the girls figure out real quick, don't leave without five people. And, you know, they got to communicate with each other, things like that. And we do that. And, you know, depending on skill level, um, like with the boys, we, we could get, so we'd get 14, 15 layups in a, in a minute with the girls, it was 12 to 13, um, with a good group. Um, if you're, if you get the JV and freshmen in there, you, you might have to cut it down one or two because obviously they're going to make some mistakes, but, um, but it's a great drill for us. Um, I picked that up, uh, from, coach at Elk Point uh, years ago uh, at a clinic and they do it as a conditioner, but also as a fast break, uh, fast break drill. And we do that one uh, a couple times um, early in practice and late in practice um, as a conditioner, rather than just get on the line and, and run sprints. Um, and uh, so we like that one uh, as one drill we do. Um, and then we do a drill uh, with um uh, five down where, you know, the, the first time down, we kick it to the wing, drive um, the first per- person on whichever side the point guard kicks it to, that person drives in, shoots a layup. The two wings cross. The first blocker grabs it, outlets it to the point guard, and we head the other way, and we cross over, we and we throw it to the other wing. They drive in, get a layup. They cross first blocker down grabs it throws it in and then we throw one to the lead blocker um down the court they get it outlet to the point guard point guard then will throw a a lob down the floor to the other blocker so and then the last one the point guard drives drives the crosses over and drives the lane for the layup so we we get five layups there um in short amount of time Mm -hmm. And I don't have it in front of me, Marty, but we time that. But if, if you want to know, I can I can sure pull that out of my notes and, and get that to you. But we do that one um, a couple times. Uh, oh, for sure, um, four out of the five practices in the week or five mm-hmm. out of the six, we'll do that drill. Um, and then we'll get into uh, – we do what we call um, – we work on, depending on the team, depending on personnel, we look at what, what – secondary break primary to secondary break um is going to fit us um right now we're kind of doing the old kansas uh, backdoor break um and that's been good to us the last couple of years but i have a couple of girls that are, are pretty good at they come off that that back pick from the from the wing um and uh 
they a lot uh, we get the lob now and then but we really get the pin down um we'll swing it and get a pin down and and get it in there so we we use that one right now um and we do a, a drill called gator rebound and i'm sure everybody does they you you line the girls up um from the free throw line down and everybody's you know gonna block out a number um shoot it up and everybody blocks out outlet down the floor and um we we have depending on what we want done that day we have rules okay you we've got to throw three passes before we can shoot it or we've got to get a pin down before we shoot it and, and things like that so we just make rules as we go what mm-hmm. we want to work on for that day and mm-hmm. we do we'll do that drill well, uh, probably every other day when we're working on blocking out um, and, and down the court. And then we do a lot of, uh, you know, situations where we're three on two or three on two to two on one. Um, and we're, we're continually every day doing, you know, two or three transition drills. And they're simple. They're old school drills. But the, the girls, you know, they are our girls like. The, the running style they like to run up and down the floor um they like that style and and they've kind of bought into it so um so we'll we'll do any kind of you know drill like that where we're four and three or whatever you know makes makes it for the day mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um but that's we we just try to play fast um and really uh we'll put time in the clock sometimes and and we'll just say okay we're going to do is secondary block out and you know we'll one of the coaches will toss it up down the floor we go with our secondary and make or miss the other teams headed down the floor and you know we're we're playing and you know the the one you're trying to obviously win the game but you've got like we'll put like a minute and a half up there or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they, they're running up and down, um, getting a lot of conditioning in and it's not, you know, it's not putting them on the line and running. I, I, I do that. I do that more when, with just a sidebar of, you know, they know when they're not doing something right because we get on the line and we'll, we'll do some running. Yeah. Other than that, a lot of our conditioning we is, is drill work. And yeah. we just don't, we're, we design drills. So everybody's moving and, um, and you know it, it, that's we just try to play fast all the time in practice. How important is that? Because a lot of people say, "Well, we want to play fast," but you can't just say we want to play fast and go out there and, and run fast. You have to have a commitment to it. And, and how long does it does it take to implement that commitment to playing fast and 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 being consistent? We had talked about consistency early earlier in the podcast, Coach, but. It's it's a different type of being consistent with this. Okay, we're not just preaching playing fast, but we're actually going to do it. How important is that that to have in in every single practice? It probably took us when we started. When I I came with the girls, they they were not used to playing fast, and you know, and I was the old dog uh, teaching them. And I said, "Girls, I like to play this way." And and so, but I after I don't know about a week of practice and and doing this, and, and of course, I wouldn't. You know, you kind of were a little leery about standing around and practicing, not keeping your eyes up because there could be a ball hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I told some of the fans that, you know, the first few games, I don't know if I'd want to sit in those first couple of rows. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, I said to the girls, I said, so what do you think? Or, you know, and are we, can we play this way? Or And they just loved it. And they were like, yep. I said, okay. Now, I said, you've run up and down. I said, now we got to work on, you know, 
passing and catching the ball and not throwing it out of bounds and and things like that. And that group, it took, I'd say, till after Christmas. So we went probably six to eight weeks of, and I mean, we did like the five-man weave drill I talked about, and mm-hmm. just different. We did that daily, mm-hmm. um, just, and a lot of them. Um, that team probably, you know, if I look back, was probably in the best condition of any team I've had, yeah. just because we really had to practice it. Um, now the girls are, are they're used to, they like playing that way. So, um, it's not as hard to convince them. It's, it's hard to convince them now to slow down a little bit and mm-hmm. make good passes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're to that point. Uh, but it's taken us, uh, I'd say to really say we were going to play fast. Um, it took us a couple years of, you know, ingraining that in them that, Hey, we're going to get it and we're going to get down the floor. Mm-hmm. And that now we're, and then, you know, the transition of, okay, we don't have anything. Let's, let's run our offense. And that transition took us time where, you know, they, they would get down there. Okay. We didn't get our secondary break. Okay. Run your offense. And they, they'd look at you like, Oh yeah. And you're like, uh, we don't have, you know, let, let's get right into it. And so that transition took time too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's, uh, let's wrap up on this, Bob. Uh, let's talk about your culture, uh, building your culture, you, you you've had uh, really good runs and and obviously you have kids that are committed to to your playing style and the, and the way that you coach uh, how have you built that how have you built that culture and 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 built consistent winners there at, at Ponca, Ponca High School you know, on both the boys and the girls side well the, the first thing that that we do is we talk about playing hard and we ask them what does that mean and, you know, it's funny at first, they will give you some vague answers and, and we're like, no, what does it mean to play hard? Give me, give me a, a, an example of what you think playing hard means. And we, we sit down and talk about this. Um, it's not something we just say, like, like you said, you just don't say, Hey, we're going to play hard. And, you know, uh, some of the things that, that they came up with, we know we're playing hard when we're diving on the floor after balls and we are um, not giving up transition baskets um, and we are getting transition baskets. And I think the biggest thing that really, really turned things around was when the girls found out that taking the charge was not going to kill you. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I've had some, some girls that, you know, I said, the first thing I said, we got to get tougher. We got to take some charges. Uh, the first year, the year before I came in, um, they took one charge the whole year. And I said, okay, that that's, we got to take some charges. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're averaging, we take, oh, right under 20 charges in a year. Um, and I don't know how that sounds for everybody else, but for us, that's pretty good yeah. um, because we run in some teams that don't drive it a lot and things like that. Mm-hmm. But Well, I, um, I've always thought that, you know, the the big momentum play for guys is the slam dunk. For girls, uh-huh. I've always believed that if you take a charge, that's that's the equivalent of a dunk on a girl's side. Yes, absolutely. Our girls, you know, that. so the first time we took a charge, I jumped up in the air off the bench. And that now that's 
that's culture, that's tradition. Um, you know, they, they, they immediately, when they take a charge, will look at the bench and I have to jump up in the air and I don't have great vertical. I can, you know, I never did have vertical, but, but they, that's a big thing for them. And, um, so the one day uh, this year, uh, Ashlyn Kingsbury took a charge, and Ashlyn's not one to take a lot of charges, but she took a charge, and it was in the heat of a game, and I didn't jump. She comes to practice the next day, and she's she's like, hey, you owe me. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, I took a charge, and you didn't jump. I said, you take another one, I'll jump three times. And by God, the next game, she took another one. So... People over in this, uh, my our fans are like, okay, he's just losing it, and because here we I am, knew it was one, just a matter of time before three, yeah. he went off the deep end. <laughs> yeah, yep. yep. And the, of course, the girls on the bench are cheering, and they, they think and Ashland's just proud as a peacock because she just took her second charge of her career, I think. And um, but uh, so you know, but that's that's something they take a lot of pride in now, and, and absolutely, like you said, it's a slam dunk for us. It's you know, and, and explaining to them that you just took away maybe two points or possession from them we get the ball back we score i said really it's a four-point play Mm -hmm. and you know and they never thought about it that way till now and now they now now they're always talking about we're going to get the four-point play so um so yeah and you know but playing hard is is become a, a a you know, just something that that I don't have to talk about as much as I used to, um, you know, but, you know, our our girls really have bought into it, you know, from the from the girls I had at first, you know, they're, they're always good about stopping after a game when they're back and things like that. And and I'll say so. And they'll go, yep, you played hard. And, you know, um, and I think I, and I always want the other girl, the, the girls presently playing to hear the veteran girls say, yep, you played hard. So I say, what did you say again? And so to make sure that they realize that they're not the they're not the, the present girls are not the first ones have had to play hard and go through it. So mm-hmm. um, but we really try to celebrate when we we do, you know, we make plays that are are. You know, whether it's diving on the floor for a ball and things like that, we really want to make sure that those girls are recognized because that's as big a play sometimes as, as hitting a three. Uh-huh. What are other things that you do to, to build up your culture? We, you know, we we do a lot of um, uh, team building where, you know, uh, we will do things in practice. At the end of practice, we'll uh, split up um, and we, we'll do, oh, there's the old – uh, Paul uh, Baronic did the Ravenna shooting drill, and we'll do that one. Um, and they get to shoot. We shoot from the. We don't shoot from the half court line because we can't shoot that far. But we'll shoot it from the like the spike line, or maybe a little behind the spike line. And um, so you you know you shoot. Uh, you'll just pick a number. So we'll make ten at the block and five at the elbow and three threes, and then you got to shoot the half quarter. And you know it, it it's hilarious, but some freshman girl hits that and she's automatically the hero and everybody gives her a hug. And, you know, that's a big deal. Um, in practice, if somebody takes a charge, everybody's got to come and, and, uh, pat them on the back. We do that a lot. Um, we do different free throw drills. We do one where I, I just, everybody's, so there's, 
like five girls at a basket or four and they they shoot one to move and all of a sudden i'll say okay freeze it and then we call it six five four three two one and so the first girl um is shooting for six if if she misses we got six sprints and and then we shoot for five and so on and we make them if that girl hits that free throw and they don't have to run six sprints. Everybody in the gym's got to go down and, and give her a five. And, you know, um, and it's, it's amazing um, how much, you know, the, the younger girls feel part of the team and, and everybody feels part of it. So, and then we'll do a thing with our managers. We'll bring the managers out and uh, um, we'll put a manager at each end of the floor and the girls have to pick which manager is going to make the you know, best out of five. And, you know, um, I've had groups that we had a we went through a tough practice. We bring them out, and they have to pick which side to be on. And that little manager, because most of the time my managers are elementary girls, and of course these are their idols. They're they're shooting in front of, and they'll they'll shoot and they make it, and they're they got them on their shoulder running around the gym, and and uh, so we do a lot of things like that, just to you know to to build culture and teamwork and and um, you know and we preach all the time you know that you know we're playing for each other and the punk away mm-hmm. and the punk away is to play hard so yep. we talk about that all the time yep great stuff bob great stuff tonight any uh social media any type of stuff that you want to plug for your for your program or yourself at all anything that folks can look up to to follow your program we we just I, I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a big uh, media person, Marty, just because I'm old school. So I I always think of coach what would Coach Naki do here? So um, <laughs> we we put all our stuff on our website, and you know if anybody needs anything, you know I stole everything I have um, a lot from Coach Naki and Coach Schultz and and um, different coaches uh, that I listed there for you. But, um, you know, if anybody needs anything, they can sure get a hold of me at Bob Hayes at pocketschool.org. I'll be glad to talk basketball with them. I, this has been a blast and, and uh, just been, I, I really appreciate getting the opportunity. Well, you know, it was a, it was a fun night. Uh, a lot of really, really good things. I, I, I'm, I got a bunch of stuff written down here and, uh, you know, we're 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 going to be changing a few things starting next week uh, within our program schematically. Subtle differences based on yeah. our talent, and you kind of tweaked my brain a little bit as you're talking about a couple of things here. So, uh, I I appreciate the help myself, even though I'm on the other side of the microphone here. So, uh, greatly appreciated, Bob, and I and and I hope you had a good time on the podcast. I, I had a great time, and and I'm going to get down to your clinic next year. I told our assistants um, we're putting that on the calendar right now, so that we get down there because we've missed it the last couple of years. But we're going to get down there. Um, I love coaches' clinics. I love talking to people about basketball, and we're going to get there next year. And and uh, I, I I'm glad you do that. And we just um, with everything going on, sometimes it's been tough getting there, but we're going to get there next year. And we I I really appreciate you doing that. But and I I really appreciate you have me on it's been good to talk about coach Naki in the good old days and and uh so it's been a blast well it was uh yeah i i owe coach Naki a lot uh you know may he rest in peace you know he um i know the last few years were really tough on coach and uh you know so i i I know that uh, he when you were when you were with him uh there were times like you said where uh man you were you were scared of him uh, you, you didn't know what was it, but but 
you understood it. after after you removed yourself even a little bit you you understood it a lot more and yeah. uh even when at the at the time when you thought he was wrong it, it didn't take you very long to be removed from it to go yeah you know what he was actually right and i think <laughs> that i think that that's the sign of a great coach is you you don't ever want to intentionally make anybody upset or angry or resentful or anything like that. But you were kind of talking about with your leadership and being a principal and athletic director. I think your leadership, uh, Coach Shashevsky said some, this one time, you know, leadership is lonely. And and Coach Naki was, was willing to be a little bit lonely to yeah. to do what was best for the team or to make you a better player, or to, in, in our cases, a, a student assistant or a student manager. And and I, that's just, just things that I learned from him. Uh, yep. You know, so, uh, and, uh, you know, always always entertaining to, to hear the, the foot stomp and the, uh, all, <laughs> all of that good stuff as well. So, uh, well, hey, uh, Bob, appreciate here. Why don't you hang on the line here while we wrap up a couple of things. Yep. Um, again, Bob Hayes. Head girls basketball coach used to be the head boys basketball coach at Ponca High School here in Ponca, Nebraska, up by Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, uh, two great intellectual giants here. Again, graduates of the Harvard of the Heartland, the Princeton of the Plains, the Columbia of the Cornfields. That is a place called Briarcliff College, now Briarcliff University. So, uh, but hope you enjoyed our conversation. Uh, follow a pen and a napkin on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, and review this podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. And if you would be willing to uh, to donate to to help out with uh, the expenses that are accrued here with a pen and a napkin, take a look at our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin or look up our Patreon page or the link on the a pen and a napkin website. So uh, Bob Hayes, head girls basketball coach at Ponca High School. Great conversation this evening. I hope you folks haven't enjoyed it as much as we have. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.